G'day, it's uh, Matty O here. Thanks so much for tuning into this chat with Colin. Uh, it was such a pleasure. Uh, forgive, there, we, we were Zooming and there are a couple of little moments where I sound like a ghost. So uh, apart from that, enjoy this chat with the Ted Albert recipient this year, the one and only Mr. Colin Hay. Aussie music is something to be proud of. Wear it like a badge. Because it's Australian bands and artists that are the influencers of so many other musicians the world over. So at Triple M, we're proud to be able to showcase the power of the Aussie music scene. Paying both homage to the greats that have stood the test of time, right alongside the current, the emerging, the future influencers. The ones that will be next to make their mark on the global music scene. If it's Aussie and it rocks, it's right here. This is Triple M's Homegrown with Matty O. What an absolute uh, pleasure this is to welcome to Triple M, one of the greatest songwriters we've ever produced, a national treasure, a musical journey that began while playing at a small venue in Beaumaris, Stonehenge, playing Beatles covers, eventually made his way to gigs in Richmond in Melbourne and then to the world, an amazing solo career, an incredible body of music worth celebrating, joining the likes of Harry Vander and George Young, Michael Gadinsky, The Seekers, Paul Kelly, Midnight Oil and many more. We welcome the recipient of the Ted Albert Award for Outstanding Services to Australian Music this year, the one and only Mr. Colin Hay. We know his songs. We love them. Hits around the world. Millions of albums sold. Incredible work with Men at Work. Uh, incredible solo career as well. Until it sets up on the now and the Selling out shows late last year around the country. And you've been, been loving this, collaborating with uh, Lime Cordial. In a song titled Colin, collaborated with, and uh, aptly titled as we welcome... Mr. Colin Hay to Triple M's Homegrown. It is an absolute pleasure to have you here. Oh, thank you very much for that introduction. <laughs> quite, quite, uh, quite daunted by that. <laughs> uh, congratulations. A great phone call to get. Uh, when did you hear about the news? Uh, a number of weeks ago, I think, maybe a couple of months ago, they, they, they asked me if I was coming down for the APRA Awards, and I thought that was a strange question for them to ask me. <laughs> and I said, why? And they said, oh, well, we're just wondering if you're going to be coming down. And I said, well, I wasn't planning to. And they said, well, we think you should you know so they, they then they told they told me why did you ever meet uh ted albert along the journey no i did not but um it's a remarkable story it's, it's really like about someone who could foresee the future and um drag the the drag the publishing world into the into the present which was uh, the world of uh, the world of rock and roll absolutely hey we kind of touched on that musical montage at the start you know going back to when you started in the late 70s does it feel like a lifetime ago or does it uh does it feel like yesterday it feels like both those things yeah it feels like just um just a minute ago but it's a long time you know a lot of a lot of shows a lot of a lot of miles does this award feel different uh to anything else you've received maybe along the journey because it is for songwriting yeah i think that that's really um that's really you know they say that you, you should you have to you know play to your strengths you know and that that's what i've tried to do over the last 30 or 40 years or something you know there's lots of reasons and lots of uh, things which have conspired to kind of get me to this point you know really but it was really playing live shows I think more than anything else, especially after the old band was over and I started just playing um, solo shows because I, I didn't really know what else to do because I, I'd been dropped by a record label and uh, the major record labels really were not particularly interested in, in, 
in me anymore or what I had to offer. And so I just really, I put a studio together myself and started making records. And now indeed I would, you know, for quite a long time, I would, you know, if somebody wanted a record of mine, I would take it down to the post office and post Whoa. it off myself, you know, you know, and, and once I, once I was, when I got dropped by MCA records in 1990, I think it was or 91, um, I was just on my own for 13 years. I just, I just went on the road yeah. and I, I traveled, I traveled all over the world just playing for yeah. what got me through and and uh, and the and the live or- and people telling me that uh, they wanted they wanted new music from me mm. um and they you know they, they like the the old songs are always going to be there but one of the things they seemed to want was um what i had to offer at this point so i just kept kept making records and going on the road and i've just been doing that for the last 30 odd years what kind of headspace were you in creatively i mean you've gone from men at work playing stadiums around the world to really kind of stripping it back and you know going back to the bones in some sense well i was very lucky because i didn't have to i didn't have to go out and get another job yeah you know, that was one of the great things about having been in a successful band i had um i had I could put food on the table so I could I could learn things I, I learned how to be an engineer and yeah. um, I learned how to put a you know a microphone in front of a guitar and and um, that was quite empowering in many ways um, and I just I, I just lived you know um, where I've, I've lived in the same place now for over over 32 years yeah. and so I I um I just met people and I I, I was lucky because I I started playing in a place in Hollywood called Largo uh, mm. which is on it used to be on Fairfax and yeah. uh, I'm run by a, an Irish guy called Flanagan and he was my friend still is my friend and he would just have me on every Saturday night or every month whenever I wanted to play there so I could just write songs and I could I could test them out I could play new songs yeah. which is what I did there and which is what I still do I, I, even to this day I, I still I still play at Largo. It's, it's it's moved now. It's called Largo at the Coronet. It's moved to La Cienega, but it's just a three hundred seat theater. Nice. But I never really thought too much. There was a lot of challenges. I mean, it was very frustrating in, in many ways being on your own. You know, when you kind of you've been part of an industry for you know ten or fifteen years, then all of a sudden they go they they kind of seem to go okay. Well, you're done. You know, you're you you go off and sit on a beach or do whatever it is you want to do. But we're not really particularly interested anymore. So so I just had I just had to find my own audience which is basically what i've what i've done uh just trying but in many ways that's what the old band did as well really you know we just we we just found our own audience or they found us and that's the most that's the most that's the most important thing you yeah. can find is somebody somebody who's interested in listening to what you have to say or, or to sing about or play you know it's the rest is just really you know getting through some kind of weird obstacle course you know? yeah do you feel like um maybe that was a bit of a blessing in some way you know kind of no shortcuts you kind of back to the bones and kind of doing it the right way Way. Yeah, I mean, people are always looking for shortcuts, and mm. it's the life life on the road, or or or, or that approach. It's an old fashioned approach, yeah. really, or making a record and then going out, and it's a little bit like being a traveling salesman in many ways. Yeah. Um, I feel I feel like I have more affinity with with that job than anything else, where you're just going out and you're opening up your suitcase and going, oh, okay, here, what do you think <laughs> of this? What do you? I oh, don't like that one. Oh, what about this one? I got another one here, you know. Like, but yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, joy involved with it. There's a lot of there's a lot of internal nourishment you know where you're on the road and you play to an audience and they clap and you you know that um, you provided these people with uh, two hours where they didn't have to deal with what's perhaps what's uh, the negative things that are going on in their own life. So yeah. it's it's a it's a respite from that. So I think that's a I think that's a useful thing to do. One of the things I really like about your show, I saw you at the Melbourne Recital Center last year, is that you get the stories behind the songs. You know, I think like you know the way you kind of describe what kind of mindset you were when you were writing a certain song. Do you think you kind of 
might have developed that when you went back to the bones and you were playing to a new audience and, you know, trying to build up that fan base again? Yeah, well, it was just, they were almost embarrassed for me, I think, mm. that I was there and playing in front of such a small audience. And so it became a little conspiratorial where I would, oh, hey, I'll tell you what happened to me. I would just tell people my little, my kind of journey that, that, that got me to that point. And because mm. uh, it's, you know, it's quite an extraordinary thing that happened to us, you know, with all that success. And so people were interested in that. So I would just start to talk to talk to people, and I noticed as I did that that they would just kind of lean in a little bit closer because they yeah. wanted to they wanted to know. And um, it was just, it was cathartic in a way, and it was also just therapeutic for me as well because um, you know there was I had some you know some some struggles going on in my own in my own life which I didn't particularly want to you know talk to anyone about or anything. But mm. going out on the road was a way of just was a way of of um, dealing with a lot of that yeah. you know in, in my own in my own somewhat uh, dare I say creative way and I think in, in many ways finding a way to be creative uh, can be you know can be your salvation in many ways I was going to touch on that like creatively how has songwriting changed for you like uh, you know originally you might have picked up a guitar started with a melody now are you finding with Pro Tools and all the bells and whistles you can jump on a computer how has the process kind of changed for you over the years well you just listen I think you just listen to what's going on you listen to you try and be as much of a sponge as you can yeah. about whatever's go- whatever's going on around you and uh, I still I still play you know write songs primarily on guitar and and I, I I try and practice a bit and I try and learn different things about playing the guitar because it's an instrument which you can just go through your whole life and just feel like you're scratching the surface and so when you do that I think it, it opens up other work it, it opens up another world sometimes where you you're just playing some particular chord sequence or a chord inversion that you hadn't really played before and all of a sudden it sparks an idea that that um, perhaps you, you follow and it um, you know it becomes a song. Are you writing songs on the road or do you kind of have to be in one spot to get into that kind of songwriting mindset? Uh, at the moment, I'm not, you know, I've got a lot of ideas. I have little things on my phone and and, uh, and so forth. And I have, I have ideas about how to, uh, what I'd like to do next. They're, they're very vague and kind of unformed at the moment, you know, mm. nothing, nothing's, nothing solid. It's just kind of yeah, yeah. lots of gases kind of floating around. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing, there's nothing, no, no, nothing solid. No, nothing. The gravity is not working at this point, you know. Yeah. Um, you've made some incredible records, whether it be men at work, solo, collaborating. Are there any moments in the studio that you look back on and just be like, wow, that was a magical moment or someone that you've learned something from? It might be listening back to a take. Well, I mean, it's an obvious one, but when we recorded Down Under, we, we all were in the studio listening back to the song and we'd recorded the song live in the studio I think with the band uh, drums bass and guitars and I did the vocal and we did some we did some backing track backing vocal tracks and we all went into the studio to listen to it and it sounded it sounded unbelievable I mean it sounded huge to us we didn't we didn't understand it we thought wow did we do that and we had we had you know and the only difference was we had an engineer and a producer that knew what they were doing and so we all it was a very goosebump moment you know where we just thought oh this is this is this is incredible this is um beyond what we what we thought we were capable of you know and that was a great moment i mean there's been so many uh uh moments over over um over the time but i i remember um making my first solo record uh looking for jack it was called in london with an english record producer his name is robin miller and um great record 
producer, did all the Sade stuff and everything but the girl and fine young cannibals. And nice. anyway, we were in the studio and we finished this song called Looking for Jack, which is a song about about uh, about Los Angeles. And um, and Robin said to me, you know what would be really good on this song? And I said, what's that? He said, Herbie Hancock. Yeah. And I said, yeah, yeah. I said, yeah, well, that would be great. He said, I wonder where he is. And so he asked his secretary, he said, Polly, can you find out, can you find out where Herbie Hancock is? And so she, uh, she found out that he was actually in London and he was playing, a, he was on tour, but he had a night off. Whoa. And so, um, so he agreed to come over and play on the track. And so he and Wayne Shorter came over and um, we didn't end up using what Wayne Shorter recorded on the song, but yeah. he, that Herbie Hancock walked in and so that, you know, and, and I'd met him a, f- a couple of times, and mm. and, uh, and he said, "Play me the track." And he just went into the track, and there's a grand piano there, and he, he played the song once, and it was Whoa. just, it was, and then he played it twice, and then he played it three times, and they did four takes, and he said, "You guys got enough?" And he said, "Yeah, <laughs> got plenty, we got plenty." And then it was just a, tr- it was a really difficult thing to, so we, you know, we comped, we comped the track out of the four takes he gave us, but it was, wow, it was sublime, it was quite sublime. Oh, that's, that's so cool. cool. Hey, so you coming home uh, for these awards, which is super exciting. Is there one thing that you always do when you get back, like a bit of a tradition when Colin Hay comes back to Australia? There's one thing that I that I love to do. I always love to go down the Great Ocean Road if I can. I love to do that. Yeah, yeah. But this time because I'm going to the APRA Awards in Sydney, um, my friend uh, Mario, my my good friend Mario is is meeting me in Sydney. Nice. And we're going we're going to drive down the, we're going to drive down the coast. Uh, take three or four days to drive down the coast uh, through southern New South Wales and back that way, and then through the and then through the high country in, in Victoria. So I'm looking forward to that. Ah, oh, that's awesome. Hey, Colin, do you have time for a quick game? Or is this a game of trick questions? <laughs> no, 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 it's it's, uh, uh, it's, it's called. <laughs> Memory Lane, so you've had an amazing career. So what I've done is I've gone through your gig history and plucked out random shows to see what you remember. Now, you might not remember the show exactly. You might remember going to and from the gig. Uh, you might remember going out and getting a bite to eat. But anyway, let's uh, let's give it a go. So we're going back to 1982 where you played a gig with. In Michigan, uh, with the police also. And give in excess. Do you remember anything about this show? No. <laughs> I remember. I remember. I remember that In Excess opened up for us when when they were first came over to tour in the states. But uh, I don't remember the police playing. But did they play after us? They must have done. Yeah. But um, I don't remember that. I don't remember that gig. But but then again, I recently was talking to. I have a I have a friend that sometimes that sometimes plays with Sting, and and uh, and I and I was talking to him for just a few minutes, and he said to me. I think we did a show or two together. He said, but I can't remember where it was. So he, so he can't remember either. <laughs> All right, let's go. Uh, one year later, you jumped on the road with these guys. Fleetwood Mac for a few shows around the States. Uh, do you remember that? Well, we did three months with we did three months with Fleetwood Mac, and that was really what what op- what opened up our career. Um, it was incredible. So you know, we went from playing in the Corner Hotel in Melbourne to playing in front of twenty twenty five thousand people on a stadium arena Whoa. tour with Fleetwood Mac. It was it was eye opening in many different ways, and they were very very nice to us. Yeah, that's what set us on our set us on our way that that uh, that uh, support spot. So what was it like being in that bubble? You know, you're playing these pub gigs in Australia, then you're playing to these sold out arenas in the 
states in places that, you know, I imagine you're only visiting for the first time? Well, the biggest one was the US Festival, which was in California, which was the biggest festival of its kind, I think. It, it was, I think we were on with, with um, trying to remember, I think in excess, the Vinyls were on when we played and um, Stray Cats and us and The Clash, I think. Wow. I think that's who played the night that we played. It was over, it was over three days and that was, um, that was in the middle of the, the, the middle of the desert in, in California. Whoa. That was an extraordinary, you know, it's probably, I think it was about 150, 160,000 people. What? <laughs> yeah, that was, that, that, that was, that was, the, that was, we were, I think we, we were peaking at that time. <laughs> and what was it like being in the States playing these shows and, you know, your band's getting bigger and bigger? Yeah, well, it was overwhelming in many ways. It was extraordinary, you know, because this is what, this is what we wanted. And all, and, and then, of course, you know, be careful what you wish for. It's yeah. true. Mm. I remember that uh, we got offered Saturday Night Live and who can it be now is number three and then we did uh, on the Friday and we played Saturday Saturday Night Live on the Saturday and then on the Monday it was number one and stayed number one for Whoa. you know for the next couple of months you know <laughs> well you mentioned the Stray Cats before you read my mind let's go uh, one year later you played with them and the one and only Mr. Tom Petty in California. That was really good. That was very, very that was a great, great, great show. Um, and I thought I'd been shot. What? Yeah, because somebody threw a block of ice at me and it <gasps> hit me right right there in the forehead. And it just hit me so hard and then it stung and it went like that. I thought, oh my God, I've been shot. But it was just a block of ice. Oh. <gasps> And um, but Tom Petty was very nice. Yeah, I just spoke to him standing at the bar, and he said to me, "Wow," he said, "I wouldn't like to be you." <laughs> what? I said, what do you mean? He said, "He said following up this record, man." <laughs> going to be hard <laughs> and uh, i tell you somebody else somebody else who said that was robert plant standing at another bar he said he said the same thing he said i wouldn't want to be you man he goes trying to trying to follow up this record that's so funny you mentioned that uh you read my mind again because in 1985 you played live Aid. other bands to play led zap madonna too paul mccartney and uh, Neil Young too. Keeps me searching for amongst uh, many other acts. Any memories from that? Yeah, we did it in Sydney, I think, wasn't it? And it was, it was, it was kind of sad in a way because because the, the band was done by then. Yeah. You know, and so it was kind of like, oh, we should have been. This should have been an incredible thing to be part of, which it was. Yeah. But at the same time, we were done. You know, mm-hmm. it was over. It was over for us. Yeah. So we, it was the, it was really the death throes of our band, really. Let's mix it up with um, something that wasn't a gig, but uh, you appeared on this TV show, and uh, I absolutely loved it. Why don't we move on to our first guest? He's a wonderful musician. I'm a big fan. We're lucky to have him here tonight. His current CD is called Transcendental Highway. Many of you know him from the band Men at Work. He also tours solo. Please give a warm welcome to Colin Hay. Colin Hay. One and only Larry Sanders show. And what I loved about this show was that when they had uh, bands on, they'd show the band's performance in its entirety. Yeah. Well, that was great too because there was that moment where where Hank and Larry were just were standing by the by the by the kind of monitor yeah. thing, and they were just listening, and it was just there was no weren't saying anything. It was brilliant. Yeah, Shandling was he was the businessman. He yeah. was so he was so great. He came to see a show of mine at Largo actually, where I was talking about before. I was I was walking on stage, and he said, uh, "I'm not." 
not going to stay. And I said, oh, okay. I said, stay, stay for two songs. He goes, okay. So he stayed for the whole show. And then afterwards, he, you know, I, I walked off and he goes, I stayed. <laughs> I said, oh, I said, oh, great. He goes, you were, str- you were strong. You were strong. I want you to do my show. And I went, oh, anytime you like. And he said, in two weeks. And I said, oh, I'm going to Australia. And he goes, you're going to Australia? And I said, and he goes, why? Oh, he that's... goes, okay. He said, okay, I'll wait for you. Oh, man. Like, a huge show in the 90s. If you missed it, you can go and find the Larry Sanders show. I think we're getting low on time and getting the Zoom link is about to cut out. One more performance. Former, I've got to ask you, what is it like playing with this man? I'd like to be under the sea in an octopus's with Ringo Starr in his all-star band. Yeah, well, I was I was driving um, I was driving along Santa Monica Boulevard actually I remember, and I got a call saying that I want to go out and play with Ringo. And it was you know it takes about three seconds to say yes, and then you kind of go what? <laughs> yeah, that was in two thousand and three, so twenty years ago actually. Wow. Yeah, fantastic, and 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 we're, we're going out again in the, in the next month, and you know sometimes he sometimes he says just before we play down under he says um, all right then Colin come on. Play that song about that place you're not <laughs> It must be so cool to have like all these different projects go at once. Obviously, your incredible solo creator, but be able to go out and play shows with Ringo, collaborate with others too. It's good. It's good to to have that ability to mix things up. Absolutely, and because you don't get bored, uh, you know, with any, with with any of them. Then mm. I love going out solo. You know, it's as well, and I love the band that I have here that I'm out with at the moment because it's like a it's like a gang. You know, yeah. it's like a family. And my wife comes out with me, and we've got Cubans and Guatemalans and <laughs> Peruvians. And the and the talking American as well, um, so it's it's fantastic. And then, but when I go out by myself, it's like I went back I went back to Britain uh, a few weeks ago, played in the UK, and I played near my hometown, and that was you know, quite emotional actually. I, I love doing that, and I I saw I saw some people that I hadn't seen for for um, fifty six years. Wow! Did they ask to uh, get put on the guest list? No, I knew they were coming, yeah. and um, they are they bought tickets. They're, they're good friends, man. Nice. Uh, one more thing I'd like to touch on. This is an Australian music show, and obviously. Some supporting the next uh, crop of bands and loving this song we touched on earlier. Colin, I've uh, written about you uh, with Lime Cordial. I just want to play you a snippet of when I spoke to Ollie from the band. He inspired that song. So it started with Colin with the inspiration, um, writing that song, and then we ended with him featuring on the song. So, um, mm. you know, he he was just like, yeah, right. Yep, no worries. You don't need to give me any uh, songwriting credits or anything. I don't care. So, oh, yeah, nice. He's so chill. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. You know, we were obsessed with Colin Hay. Whenever we go over to Los Angeles, we, we go up to his house. He's got, he's got this home among the gum trees in uh, near Malibu, and it, it kind of feels homey, and he makes the coffee, and it, it sort of, like, resets us in in that, you know, grotty city of LA. It must be so cool to kind of collaborate with the next generation of artists coming through. Ah, they're lovely boys. They're lovely boys. They said to me, oh yeah, you inspired this song, one of your songs. I said, oh, which song? And they said, oh, we can't remember. (laughs) Hey, Colin, uh, thank you so much for joining me. An incredible career, worth celebrating and a worthy recipient of the Ted Albert Award this year. Uh, Looking forward to seeing more of you in Australia. And once again, congratulations and thanks for taking time out to talk to Homegrown. Thank you so much. See you soon.